For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Corrie Tenbaum ran her father's watchmaker shop in the Netherlands in the 1930s. That was until, of course, uh, German, the, the Nazi uh, forces rolled through the Netherlands and took over the country. Uh, they then set about rounding up all the Jews they could find um, and, and hauling them off to concentration camps. Corrie Tenbaum was a, a devout woman of faith and felt like her faith compelled her to take action and do something. Um, about the state of, of the Jews in her country. And so she began um, to set up systems and networks involving lots of other people. Uh, and, and she created these, these hidden passageways in her home uh, where she would hide people from the Nazis um, until they could get them into, into safer places. And uh, it's estimated that she saved probably close to 800 people um, in her time uh, during, during World War II. Um, there was, there's one story in particular where they, they, they stole some German uniforms and they, they broke into um, uh, an orphanage and rescued some Jewish babies that were about to be taken away uh, and inevitably they would have been killed. And so 800 people uh, Corey Tenbaum was able to save until eventually one day she was betrayed uh, and herself and as well the rest of her family sent to a concentration camp. Um, in the concentration camp, her sister and father both passed away. They both died. Uh, she nearly did herself as well. And then after the war, she set about uh, on a mission, on a mission to bring healing and reconciliation to Europe. Um, for Corey Tenbaum, her faith, uh, it was costly, but it was beautiful. Um, she, she and her family could have simply attended church uh, and gone about her business during Nazi occupation and turned a blind eye to the plight uh, of her neighbors and, and, and people in her, in her town, but she didn't. She, she understood that, that being a Christian meant that she had to follow Jesus into these costly places. So uh, we're going to pick up the text here in uh, Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse 18. Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. There's a reminiscence here of Ruth in the Old Testament when she says to Naomi, Wherever you go, I will follow. And kind of the same imagery that's here, but Jesus gives an interesting response to this scribe. Um, one commentator says that Christ's answer clearly indicates this man's intention were not altogether honorable. He saw the crowds, the miracles, the enthusiasm, and it seemed so good to him to be closely associated with the one who was in the very center of all of this action. He wanted to be Jesus' disciple, but he failed to understand the implication of discipleship, namely self-denial, sacrifice, service, and suffering. Jesus saw through the intentions of this man and, 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 and called him on it. And said, do you know what you're asking? Do you understand the cost? And then in 21, another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go bury my father. And Jesus said to him, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. Um, this is a difficult couple of verses um, to try and understand what Jesus is really getting at. And, and, and realizing that sometimes when Jesus says something, it's 
Um, it's descriptive and not prescriptive. Um, so there are times when Jesus is speaking specifically to one person and their heart and, and, and what's going on in their lives and not necessarily for everyone. So he says to this man, um, don't, don't go and, and, and bury your father um, instead, follow me immediately. Leave the dead to bury their dead. Um, and there's different understandings, uh, interpretations of what this means. Um, ultimately, though, I, I think it's unique to this person's situation. In the same way, when Jesus tells the rich young ruler to go and sell everything you have, come and follow me, he's speaking specifically to something he knows about that man. And so um, perhaps uh, the man who says, hey, let me first go and bury my father, um, maybe he's saying, uh, Maybe it's immediate. Maybe he's just died. I need to do funeral preparations. Um, and in this day, it was an important piece. Um, in Israel, giving honor, burial to the dead was considered a duty and a kindness that ranked higher than any other service requiring attention. So this is actually a pretty important thing to do for a son. It, it was an honor and it was a duty. Um, filial piety uh, obliged a son to attend to this bestowal of the final act of devotion. So this was important culturally. But Jesus tells him not to. Some commentators wonder if maybe it, my, my father's not all that well. Let me just hang around at home for a few years until he goes and, and take care of my duties. And then I can follow you. We're not quite sure what is really going on in this man's life and in his heart that Jesus is addressing. Um, and perhaps he, what Jesus is getting at is something more, more spiritual where he says, like, let the spiritually dead bury the physically dead. Um, we don't know the specifics, but Jesus does. Um, and it's not a blanket statement uh, against all, we should never attend a funeral. That, that's not where we're going. Um, but I think in this small little section of, of these two conversations we get a glimpse at, I, I think we see the nature of Jesus' ministry and the disciples, the kind of disciples that Jesus was seeking. Where he says, even the closest family ties must not be set above allegiance to Jesus and the proclamation of the kingdom. Um, Jesus is, 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 is telling both the scribe and, and this man who calls himself a disciple um, that following Jesus is costly and it needs to take priority in our lives. Um, over, over the last few centuries in particular, we've taken this costly discipleship and we've made it something far cheaper. Uh, where now we believe that if we just uh, issue a statement of proclamation, if I simply declare I am a Christian and, and I'm going to heaven, then, then we believe that's all there is to it, and we rest on, on that. Um, J.C. Ryle, who's a, a commentator, a theologian, says, Nothing has done more harm to Christianity than the practice of filling the ranks of Christ's army with every volunteer who is willing to make a little profession and talk fluently of experience. It's a, the, this challenge here of, of have we cheapened the call of discipleship? Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote a book about this as well, The Cost of Discipleship. Uh, and, and I was having a conversation actually yesterday with someone about the difference between calling ourselves a Christian and simply showing up and assuming that's all there is to it versus actually following Jesus with our lives. Um, in fact, this word Christian... Um, it's funny, I learned a song when I was at camp, right? I am a C, I am a C-H, I am a C-H-R-I-S-D-I-A-N, right? And I have C-H-R-I-S-D in my H-E-I-R-T and I will L-I-V-E-T-R-N-L-O-Y, right? Maybe you maybe, maybe sang that song at camp as well too. Um, but there's something about like, I, I simply declare that I'm a Christian and that's all there is and I will live eternally. 
because I declare myself a Christian. But that word Christian doesn't actually show up uh, much in the Bible at all. Three times it appears in the New Testament, uh, and it actually started as an insult. It, was, uh, it meant little Christ. It was, it was a way that, that Gentiles used to insult Christians um, by calling them little Christs. Um, the word that Jesus himself uses uh, is disciple or, or follower, one who actually, with their life, with their time, with their heart, with their mind, with their actions and their stuff, um, f- practically, physically follow Jesus. This thing that we call Christianity is not a religion, it's not just a belief system, it's not a duty, it's not a family obligation. Um, it's about following a person. And it's about um, hearing, hearing his call in our lives. And so um, Jesus had something specific for this scribe. He knew what the scribe needed to hear. Like, hey, you need to hear that this is costly, uh, it's not luxurious. It's going to mean something for your life. And for this man who wanted to go bury his father, Jesus had a specific thing for him too of, hey, following me looks like this. Um, And so for us, are we following Jesus? And for each of us, there's going to be a different aspect to that. It's going to look a little different. We need to be relationally connected to Jesus. And when we hear his voice, when he says, you need to follow me into this, this is what I have for you. It's not just brushing Jesus off and going, well, gee, isn't that nice? Thanks. I love you, by the way. And no. Um, Are we we willing to actually follow the call of God in our lives? Do we hear his voice and do we follow? I think that's the big challenge that we see here in this text. Um, With our lives, with our money, with our time, with our talents, with our treasures, are we actually following Jesus as disciples? Or is it a simple, easy believism where we feel like as long as we say the right thing one time, that's all there is to it. I, I think here we see in Matthew that there's a cost to following Jesus, and it means actually laying our lives, leaning our lives into it. And so uh, a challenging question for each of us to, to wrestle through of what is my faith? Is it proclamation or am I following Jesus himself? Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, thank you that you do call us to follow you. Um, we don't earn it. We don't deserve it. In grace, you offer the call and you want to lead us on the narrow path into life often in ways that we don't expect or that make no sense at first. But God, give us the courage and give us the faith just to actually follow you. Help us not to sit secure on a proclamation that we love you. Help us to um, to live it out with our, our day-to-day behaviors as we seek to follow you. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, hope you have a great rest of the day. We'll talk again soon. Bye.